welcome to Grace Family Church. We are so glad you decided to check out our podcast. Our prayer is that this teaching from Pastor Tommy will encourage your faith and lead you towards the greatness God has planned for you. Thanks again for listening. We hope you enjoy this message. You hear by the power of your Holy Spirit, move amongst us, touch us, make yourself real to us. We welcome you. We love you with all of our hearts. Jesus name amen do you love him this morning are you hungry for him this morning I hope you are I know I am amen well we're glad you're here this morning we love you we just encourage you to turn and wave at somebody shake a hand let them know you're glad they're here and you can be seated thank you so much worship team amen well say it with me while you're being seated say God is good his word is true and it works in my life Amen. His word works in our life when we believe it. Man, I am so glad you made it out today. I'm looking forward to, I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to springtime. How many of you are looking forward to spring? I've had enough cold weather. Uh, but I am looking forward to spring. And you know, uh, But you know what I look forward to more than anything? I, I really do look forward to Sunday mornings. I, I love the opportunity for us to come together and worship as a church family, to welcome the presence of God into our midst. And so we are thrilled. And I'm thrilled you made it out this morning. Um, we're praying and believing God for good things in your life. I always like to let you know right up front that if you have prayer requests or a need in your life and you came with that, uh, we have several ways for you to get your needs met or for at least for us to agree with you to get your needs met. Uh, number one, if you have a prayer request and you're more of a private person on the seat back in front of you, there's a card you can fill out. And you can take the time to, uh, you know, fill that out and turn it in here at the break in just a moment. We'll have a moment where we meet and greet and you can just drop your um, prayer request in the offering buckets here. And we'll get those. Uh, we also have online means of doing that um, where you can turn in your prayer request and your praise reports. Not to mention, uh, we'll mention to you, we did get a praise report. Just yesterday, one of our members had a friend about 30 days ago that was diagnosed with uh, cancer. Um, and he, uh, this particular individual prayed for them and believed God for, uh, with them that, that they'd be healed. And 30 days later, they go back and the individual's cancer-free. So God answers prayers. Amen? Amen. So I would tell you that, uh, you know, uh, this is not hocus-pocus or fairy tale land here this morning. There's an opportunity for the Lord to move in your life if you'll just ask. And so if you have a prayer request, you can also ask online. And then last of all, we'll, at the end of the service, if we, if we don't have an altar call, the Lord doesn't lead that way, um, then, we, then we also have prayer partners that will be over here to my right and your left at the end of the service. You can certainly walk up to them, and they'll join hands and pray and agree with you. And not only that, they'll stand with you throughout the week. They'll check up on you on occasion, make sure you're doing good. So uh, if you have a need that way, uh, certainly one of those three methods, hopefully we can help uh, agree with you and stand in faith for you for all the good things God has for you. But we are thrilled you are here this morning. If you're a guest, we do welcome you, and we're glad you're here. I always say this, the minute your tires hit the front parking lot, you're already family. And so we consider you family, but if you're looking for more information about the church, you can go to our website or see one of our greeters, but give our guests a hand. Let them know we're glad they're here this morning. Amen. And for everybody, we're thrilled you're here as well. So we want to just take a moment as a church family. Uh, this is the point of our service where we really do this, where we just give, we come together and we sow our tithes and we sow our offerings before the Lord as a form of worship to support the vision for our church. And our vision is real simple. We just want to be a church where you can meet friends, worship God, hear the word, and then go be a blessing. Everybody say, go be a blessing. We're not a Christian club. We're a place where we can go out and reach others. 
And so we want to be a place where you can certainly meet friends, and hopefully you found this to be a friendly place where you can hear the Word of God, where we can worship God together and we go be a blessing. And I believe long term, if we get behind that vision of just, just embodying that with the values that we have, and those values are really simple. We just want to love God with all of our hearts and let that affect our decisions. We want to express that love to others by showing them that we value them. No matter where you come from, you are valuable to God. And we want to use our gifts and talents to serve. If we do that, I believe that, you know, uh, we'll just do our part and then we'll trust God for the rest. And I believe what that means is we'll be an ever-growing church where we're actually touching lives on a regular basis. And when we grow to the point where we can actually be a giving church, not where we're taking money and using it for ourselves, but where we can be a giving church and we can sow. I have it in my heart that we're going to sow one day a million dollars in one year to stateside and overseas missions to reach people with the love of Jesus. And so that's my belief that we're going to grow to that point. We're going to keep the budget as trim as we can so that we're taking in as little as possible and giving away as much as we can. Amen? So we take the opportunity to do that this morning with our giving. And so if you're giving, you can give by check, Grace Family Church. You can give by cash, offering envelopes, and you can certainly give online as well. But let's, let's, let's not make this a ritual or a bill-paying moment. Let's just take a moment and say, God, we love you, and we love your kingdom, and so we want to support it. And so let's just take a moment to do that right now as we pray over the offering. Father, thank you so much that you're so good to us. Thank you that you love us, that you care about us. And thank you that you care about every area of our life. And one of the ways that you've given us to connect with you is through our faithful giving. And so we just choose to do that. Choose to honor you with the substance you've honored us with. We give a portion of that back to you to support your kingdom and your work. And I thank you that that will meet the needs of this church in abundance and that will help us complete projects and things we need to do so that we can be the giving church you've caused us, called us to be. And we just give you praise and thanks for that in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. All right, we want to dismiss our kids first through fifth grade out with Joe. Give Joe a hand. Let him know we love him. You know, I say this every week. I say it every week, and I probably say this every week too. But Joe is here every week, just about, with the exception of a couple Sundays a year, teaching our kids. Aren't you glad that he shows up faithfully and does that? i got to tell you, if you're, amen. And so we appreciate that. And, and I tell you, kids enjoy coming because he's a lot of fun. Um, and so uh, anyway, uh, give, uh, give Joe a hand as our kids are dismissed out to their class. If you have new, if you're new, please make sure during the break you stop by and give Joe your kid's name so he knows who you are so that your kids get back to you instead of someone else, okay? So anyway, stand to your feet with me. We want to go and dismiss you. You can bring your offerings forward during the break. Let's meet and greet a few minutes, shake a few hands, and then we'll go ahead and jump into the Word. Loved the world. And we're using really the iconic verse of Scripture, uh, John chapter 3 and verse 16 and 17. Uh, so I want to read that, and then let's just pray, and let's just believe what God has for us. So how many of you want what God has for you today? We don't want what Pastor Tommy has for you today. We want what God has for you today. So let's just believe God for that today and pray that he uses me. But we'll read this opening text. We'll pray, then we'll jump in, and I'll do my best to get out of the way and let him minister to you. Amen? Uh, John chapter 3 and verse 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Let's pray before we begin. Father, thank you so much for your word. I thank you that your word contains truth in it. And I thank you that as we present the truth this morning, that Jesus, the truth, the way, and the life will make himself manifest 
to everyone here. I pray, Father, that we'll hear your word. It'll deposit grace in us. It'll help us grow, allow us to allow more of Jesus to live through us. And I thank you for that. And I'll just give you praise and thanks that we'll all be able to say uh, by the end of the service, we're better. My life is better because I came to church today. Thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, uh, in this series, I titled this series, For God So Loved the World, and um, we're really focusing on God's heart for the world around us. Um, the word world there in John 3.16, you know, we pointed out last week, world can mean a lot of different things in Scripture. There are different, you know, subsets of the word, just like in the English language you have different words that can mean, take on various meanings depending on the context in which they're shared. And this word world in context is talking about those that have not received Christ. And we see that in the verse itself because it says those that do receive what was sent. So we're talking about a world without Christ. And, and so as opposed to talking about how much God loves us, how many of you realize God loves you this morning? He does. Uh, but if you're a believer, and as opposed to talking about God just loving us, or, or as opposed to talking about us loving each other as fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, this is really a perspective, and what we're talking about in this series is the perspective we should have of the world that has yet to meet Jesus or that needs more of Jesus. Maybe their relationship with him has waned and grown cold. You know, how do we present that to the world around us? And that's really what we've been talking about. And so we pointed out that, you know, you know and this really, I, I've said this week after week, this series has come on the heels of about seven months of me teaching on the love of God every Sunday morning about how he loves us and how we should love each other. But, you know, I pointed out to start this series that any successful quest to understand God's love for us will culminate and end in an expression and a desire and a passion for you to want to express God's love to the world around you. Because that's God's heart. God loves the world. And so, you know, there are lots of uh, movements and things in the body of Christ where people are so focused on just them and their group just growing to know Jesus better. And that's, that's fine and well. But if that's where it stops, it's a misguided quest. And so in my heart as a pastor, I refuse to become a Christian club. I refuse to allow us to become a Christian club where all we do is just seek how close we can get to Jesus, but we don't have a passion that's burning and developing and growing in us to touch a world around us that is lost, that is hurting, that needs to know Jesus and how much he loves them and doesn't condemn them but wants to help them. And so we see that very clearly, Jesus stating that to, uh, to Peter about his love for, for him. He says in John chapter 21 and verse 15, after Jesus had risen from the dead, it says after breakfast, Jesus asked, and so men's breakfasts are thoroughly scriptural. You see that after breakfast? It says, after breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? So he asked Peter a question. He said, do you love me? And, and, and Peter replied, yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know I love you. And then, but I want you to notice what Jesus says then. He says, then, he's saying, if you love me, then feed my lambs. So what was he saying? He's saying, if you love me, there will be a passion developed in you to want to serve and bring Jesus to others. There will, that will be a passion in your life. And I will tell you this, if, if your personal quest and devotional time is all just about you and it doesn't develop in you at some point, I mean, I understand there are pointed things God will talk to us about, and that's fine and well. But if it doesn't develop in you a, a passion and a fire, to want to share that relationship with someone else, 
then there's, there's work to be done there in your life to really understand what a relationship with Christ is all about. And so, and, and really to be frank about it, if we don't embrace that mindset, I'll tell you this, you won't be satisfied in your Christian experience. Because God did not design us to be a, a, a dead sea, so to speak, you know, just an empty end to him pouring himself into us. He designed us to be a river of living water to the world around us. And you will never find, even, even in Christian circles, you know, I know many Christians that are dissatisfied in their relationship with the Lord. And I believe part of that could be, I don't know their individual situation, but I believe part of that could be is they're seeking the Lord for how God can just help them. There's nothing in them. See, God designed you to be a giver. And I'm not talking about financially. God designed you. He made you. To, to help and to bless. That's why we're so satisfied when that happens in our life. And so it's important for us to recognize if we're going to study the love of God, we must understand it culminates in really the fulfillment of what we've called our vision, to go be a blessing to the world around us. Now last week, what we did is we took some time to define the nature of God's heart for the world. It says, for God so loves the world. But what does that mean? I will tell you this, it is not love as the world and our culture is trying to define it. What do I mean by that? Our culture, there is a movement, there's a false narrative in our culture that is trying to drive us to believe that love means acceptance. And actually that is, that is a false narrative, that is not true. When we say God loves the world, I want you to notice something that it says. It says there in John 3, 16, it says, For God so loved the world, let me go back, go back to that opening text. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but notice this, but that the world through him might be saved. Everybody say saved. See, one of the things we need to recognize is that word save means to rescue from something harmful. And so love is not just this ooey-gooey, I accept every lifestyle and everything everybody's doing. That's not love. Matter of fact, that's lazy. <laughs> Real love says, I love you enough to let you know when you're about to hurt yourself, especially if God said there's a lifestyle that you could be living that could hurt you, right? And so God, what, what we understand about God loving the world is it's not this false narrative. We said lo the, the love that Jesus came to bring was certainly a love of acceptance, but only if it's preceded by repentance. Only if it's preceded by repentance. John chapter 3 and verse 17, for God sent his son not into the world, but the world through him might be saved. Repentance from what? See, a lot of people think, you know, and, and maybe it's been taken in the wrong direction by religious people, you know, a pastor or a preacher standing in a pulpit and pointing the finger of condemnation at a world about how awful they are. How many of you realize if you're lost, you go live like a lost person? That's what you're supposed to do, right? And so it's not our job to point a finger at a lost person and say how bad they are, but what our job is to do is to say, hey, I just want to let you know Jesus loves you and he came to give you a better way, Right? A better way. What do we mean by a better way? Uh, number one, he came to save us from a life that cannot satisfy without him. And that's so important for the world to know. You know, the world pursues so many different ways of trying to find satisfaction. And, you know, it could be through a bottle. It could be through a pill. It could be through achievement. It could be through some, you know, uh, identity type thing they're going through where they're trying to find satisfaction in, on the inside. But what, Je what the scripture tells us is Jesus came to save us from all of that. 
from the quest of trying to find satisfaction. He came to save us from a lifestyle that can never satisfy the God-shaped hole on the inside of us. And not only that, he came to save us from behavior and things that cause pain and hurt to, 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 to us and to others. See, the Bible says the wages of sin is death, and, and sin, you know, when, you, when we do things contrary to God's word, when we live ways that are contrary to God's word, the end result is, is God says, everybody say God says. God says it will harm you. And that's really what repentance is all about. It's, it's coming to a place where I say in my mind, you know what, I don't see how this is hard. Yeah, well, I'm not hurting anybody, right? But if God says that way of life hurts, then eventually you are going to hurt somebody, yourself or someone else. And so really what the, the life Jesus came to give us was a life that said, look, I want to give you a different life that will protect you from harming yourself and harming others and it will satisfy the God-shaped hole on the inside of you. And for you to receive that, it requires a change of direction. It requires repentance. It requires an exchange of your life for his, right? It comes a moment where you say, you know what, I recognize that I'm willing to take on your way of living, right? That doesn't mean you have to clean yourself up. It doesn't mean you have to earn it. But what it means is you certainly recognize there's a difference in me controlling my life and living by whatever feels good and whatever feels right, right? 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 There's a difference in that and saying, Lord, I, I, you know, even though I may succumb to that sometimes, I want to live my life your way because you are wiser than I am. See, the Bible says that that humility is what brings us to the place where God embraces us. And so we pointed out that, that, that God loves the world. I mean, he's not judgmental of the world. It says there he doesn't condemn the world. But what he's saying is, is I love you enough to tell you the truth, right? To let you know there's a better way of living and although I know you're searching and I know you're trying and I know you're sincere in trying to find that satisfaction you're looking for, there's only one place you can find it because I created you that way. So it's important to recognize. And so today, though, I want to talk to you about a little bit different. I want to talk to you today about how do we bring that Jesus that loves the world to the world around us. And I'll give you up front the walkaway truth so that you, you, know, you sort of hone in on it now and you hang on to it as we move through the rest of this message. Uh, the walkaway truth is simply this. What we are supposed to bring to the world as believers is real simple. It's just Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. Your calling as a believer is to deliver the person. Everybody say the person. I'm so amazed many times of how led our worship team is. And what they do, because it ties right in oftentimes. I'll, I'll, I'll be sitting there, you know, singing the words and hearing what they're saying and thinking, man, they must have just read my notes, and they haven't. I don't share that, that with them. But, but, but what we're called to bring to the world is the person of Jesus. John chapter 3 and verse 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave the world something. What did he give? I want you to notice, he didn't give a theology. He didn't give a well-crafted argument about why you're a sinner and why you need to be saved although that's in Scripture and it teaches us that, right? What did he give the world? He gave the world a very real person. Now, he was very unique in being that very real person, right? He was born of a virgin, which made him the ultimate God-man, right? Born of a woman, but inspired by God, right? God in the flesh, who never sinned. He was the ultimate God-man. But what he gave to us was a person, 
That is different than any other creed or religion in the world, if you think about it. Every other religion in the world gives you a theology and a way to live your life to achieve peace with God or peace within yourself. Every one of them. It all has to do with our behavior. But what we find to be true is that what Jesus came to give us was something, and what God came to give us was something different. It wasn't a theology. It wasn't a way of living, although there are things within a relationship with Christ that will affect the way you live. What he came to give you was Jesus, a very real, a very real person to come and live on the inside of you. See, one of the things we need to recognize about what we deliver as believers, as, as, as believers of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, is we don't offer behavior modification to anyone. What we offer to people is a complete takeover of yourself by another. Can I say that again? Because I want that to sink in for a moment. See, behavior modification is you trying to change what you do, right? And that's a work. And it's unsuccessful. Have you ever tried that? Paul said it in Romans chapter 7. He said, why do I do what I don't want to do? And then I wind up doing what I, you know what I mean? He, he, he was, it was perplexed by the human nature. And so what the Christian experience offers and what a relationship with Christ offers is not behavior modification. It's a takeover of someone coming to take up residence in your life and live through you. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20 says this. It says, I am crucified with Christ. See, Paul said, when I came to Christ, I, I died to myself. Nevertheless, I live. What was he saying? He said, I figured out a key. For me to really live, i got to let go of me. And i got to let somebody else live through me. And that's what he said there. He says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who lived me, loved me and gave himself for me. What is he saying? He's saying the life that I live now is not me making a decision to try to be like Jesus. It's me stepping out of the way and saying, Jesus, you, the real person, live through me. See, what we are delivering and what, what, what we bring to the world and what we're called to bring to the world is not a theology, it's not a doctrine, it's not a mode of behavior. We're called to present people the person of Jesus, the very real and living Savior of the world. How many of you realize he's a real person? See, here's a little nugget for you this morning, just, you know, because we're talking about how to love the world, but let me give you one for your own personal walk. If you want to stop doing the things that God in his word declares are harmful to you, and yet, you, how many of you have done things you know the scripture says you shouldn't do, but you just keep on doing them? If you want to stop doing those things, I'm going to tell you the key. Stop trying to quit doing those things. And get out of the way and just let him live through you. When you're faced with whatever that thing may be, just take a moment and stop and say, no, wait a minute, Jesus, I'm going to let you live through me in this moment. That's the power of the gospel. A real and living person, Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, coming to live in you and living through you. That is different than anything the world can offer, any religion can offer. 
It's a very real in person living through you. And so as we do this that, and we let him live through us, it will naturally compel us because that's his heart to want to touch people and let them know how much God loves them. It'll naturally compel us to do this. And once again, let me, compare, let me clarify for you what we are bringing to the world then is not a theology. It's not a doctrine. Although theology, although scripture is important because we do have to, the scripture says that the Bible says scripture does bring faith for a person to receive. But what we're delivering is the person of Jesus. And we see this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verses 1 through 5 when Paul wrote to the Corinthian church. He said, And I, brethren, when I came to you, I did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. What was he saying? I didn't come with a well-crafted argument. I didn't come to just debate scripture or, or the existence of God with someone. He said, for I determined to know, not know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. He said, when I came to you, I just said, look, there's a guy <laughs> that I know that died on a cross and shed his blood for you and you need to meet him. <laughs> Amen. Amen. You can say praise the Lord all you want in this place. Amen. If you can't, we're in the wrong church in the wrong place. Amen. We need more of that. Paul said, I came to deliver to you a person, for I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. You know, that, you think about Paul. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. If he stood before people at times quaking at the idea of sharing the concept of God with somebody, how many of you realize some of us probably would quake in fear at that opportunity, right? But what he said was, even though I was fearful, there was a simple truth I could share. And that simple truth was, I met a man and his name was Jesus and I want you to meet him. That was the message. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in the demonstration, notice this, in the demonstration, everybody say demonstration. What is a demonstration? Right? It was a demonstration. Was it a demonstration of Paul? Was it a demonstration of something he conjured up and did? Some magic trick he did for him? No, it says, but in the demonstration of the spirit and of power. He said, I, deliver, I, I just said, look, here's Jesus. You need to meet him. I'm going to step out of the way. And a demonstration of the person of Jesus took place and those people's lives. Why? That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men. Notice this. But in the power of God. Why? See, why did Paul want to just deliver Jesus and get out of the way? Because he didn't want people's faith resting in his argument. Because arguments can always be shot holes in through the foolishness of men. But when somebody has met Jesus, i got to tell you right now. Anybody can come to me and say, Jesus isn't real and here's why. And I can look at him and say... I don't care what you got to say, because I met him. I met him. There's no argument for that. They may look at me like I'm a fool. They may look at me like I'm stupid because they haven't experienced. But the reality is, and Paul said, I'm coming to you to deliver to you a person. And I'm delivering you that person because I want your faith to be in a person, not in an argument. See, do you embrace, here's the thing we need to understand this morning, and, 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 and I pray God helps me get it out, and I don't get mixed up in the notes, and I really con I, I convey what the Spirit's trying to say. God wants us 
first of all, to embrace. You know, some of us may be so surface level, and I don't mean this negatively because I'm just as guilty, but some of us may be so surface level in our relationship with God that the person of Jesus may not be that vibrant and real to us, that the thought of it, right? But I mean, do you walk with him? Do you talk with him? Do you get out of the way and allow him to live through you because he's a real person I can tell you moments in my life where he's been more real to me than other moments in my life but those few moments in my life where the person of Jesus made himself real to me have impacted me in such a way that those moments when he doesn't seem real really don't matter See, we have to understand Paul's goal was to introduce people to a man, to a God-man, to a Savior, to a person. Why was Paul so committed to that? As I said, so that people's faith could stand in the person, not the argument. Right? Scripture is important. Paul said these words as well. He said, how can they hear without a preacher? And how can they believe in whom they've not heard? We need to share scripture. We need to share scripture. But at the end of the day, my prayer is that your faith is not in the scripture itself, but your, script, your faith is in the one who gave us the scripture. Right? That your faith is in him. See, our goal should be sharing others the person and the presence of Jesus. You know, that verse 5 says that your faith would not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power. Everybody say power. That word power, you know, it's an interesting word. One of the definitions of it in the, in the Greek is this. It means the inherent power or power residing in a thing by virtue of its nature or which a person or thing exudes and puts forth. See, what Paul was saying was, as I pray your faith will reside in the very nature of Christ that exudes from who he is and that has touched your life. See, we are not talking this morning about a religion or a thought or an argument. It is never my goal to bring to you a well-crafted argument to defend my point. If all we ever do is bring arguments to defend points and the end result isn't so that people can know Jesus in a more personal way, then we're misguided in our sharing. See, what we've been called to do is we've been called to deliver a real and living Jesus. So what I want to do with the remainder of the service, real simple, I just wanted to give you three simple ways to deliver Jesus to the world. How do we deliver Jesus to the world? John chapter 14 and verse 6 Jesus said to him, what did he say? Jesus is about to tell us who he is. He said, I am the way. Everybody say the way. I am the truth. Everybody say the truth. And I am the life. Everybody say the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So no man can be reunited with his creator, or either Jesus was a liar, without understanding who he is. So what that tells me, first of all, is that there are not multiple ways to get to God. Jesus was very, very direct and focused in what he said. There is only one way to get to God. Only one way. All other ways are forms of behavior modification. But what he offers is a relationship with him, and you can't have a relationship with him if you don't know who he is. 
And what he says here is he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And in those three statements, the way, the truth, and the life, we find how we share Jesus with the world around us. The first thing we do if we want to share Jesus with the world around us is we allow him to live through us. Right? We show them that he is the way. Right? We, uh, we live, we love, and we give like Jesus lives. Everybody say lives. Loves and gives. The reason I want you to repeat those words is because I didn't say the way he lived and loved and gave. Those are past tense words. And what I want to eliminate in your thinking this morning is the mindset that we're to be mimics of a past Jesus that did these things on the earth and we're just supposed to copy what he did because that's not what you're called to do as a believer. He is alive. Just as much alive as he was when he walked the planet. He is alive and living. He may not be in a flesh and bone body, but he is in a spiritual body that at times can even be touched and felt as we see in Scripture. He's alive, and we have not been called to mimic his behavior. We've been called to do like Paul said, to get me out of the way and to allow him to live through me. See, what the Christian experience offers is a takeover, not a makeover. A complete takeover. Right? Now here's the beautiful thing. I almost, I almost say this and then I'll qualify it. What we offer this morning and what Jesus offers this morning is a Christian possession. You know what, you've you seen the movies and actually it's reality too, demonic possession. What demonic possession does is it takes over a person against their will after they've yielded their will at a certain point and they let something in and then all of a sudden it, you know, you give enough place to that and it'll take over in your life. Jesus will never take over your will. That's one thing about Jesus, perfect gentleman. He gives you the right to choose, but what Jesus offers is the opportunity for you to allow him in every situation to possess you and live through you. See, the way that we deliver Jesus through the world is to change our mindset from one of trying to copy Jesus and act like Jesus and instead in a situation say, wait a minute. I'm not, how many of you realize you got a human nature? And sometimes it'll just take off and run. But maybe there's a moment in time when it's taken off and run and the Holy Spirit arrests you and in that moment you need to say, you know what, I need to back up and let him Live through me, right? Now, it'll be you doing the living. It'll be you doing the talking. You'll be walking and all those things, but you're allowing his presence and nature to live through you. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 3, Paul said, for, for you died. <laughs> Boy, how'd you like that in your promise box this morning? That's it. That's all you say. You died. He said, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. See, a relationship with Christ is not... It is, it is you coming to the end of yourself and saying, you know what, I had enough. <laughs> I've had enough of trying to figure this out. I've had enough to try to make this work. I'll tell you, I got to a point in the 20, almost 24 years now of pastoring this church, I got to a point several years ago where I just said I've had enough. Not where I've had enough pastoring. I love pastoring. I love preaching the word. I love you guys. But I had enough trying to work a marketing plan and a leadership plan and everything else to try to make it work. I'm just going to let Jesus live through me. And I'm going to encourage us to let Jesus live through each of us, right? 
That's what Paul said. He said, for you died and your life is hidden. We come to a place where we say, I've had enough of trying to figure it out. I'm just going to read the scriptures, get to know Jesus, see what the Bible says about the way I should live, and then I'm going to let him live through me. I'm going to make choices that I'm dead and he's alive. Amen? So the first way you share Jesus with the world is just by living, loving, and giving like he does. Allowing him to do it through you. Second thing you do is, remember he said, I am the way, I am the truth. Everybody say the truth. Second thing you do is you allow his truth to be your story. Everybody say his truth. You know, there's a lot of talk in our culture today about my truth. I'm going to live my truth. You know, that's a subtle lie. Because it's built upon the premise that there are multiple truths. And I'm not going to argue the point that there can't be, but here's what Jesus said. He said, I am the way, I am the truth. He didn't say I'm one of many. <laughs> there is only one truth in the world, and it's God's word and, and how it was personified and lived through by him when he, when he was here and how he wants to live it through us even today. There is only one truth. And so finding and embracing your truth is not the way to allow people to see Jesus because that's allowing them to see you. Finding and embracing his truth, who he is, how he lives, why he came, and allowing that to live through you, that is how you share Jesus with the world around you. Well, what was his truth? Luke chapter 4 and verse 16 through 20, Jesus simply declared what his truth was, why he was here and who he was. It says, so he came, speaking of Jesus, to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah, and when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. Notice what he read. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those that are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. In the Amplified it says, the day when the free favors of God profusely abound. And then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down and the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. He read this scripture. Now, he hadn't said anything yet. He just read the scripture, right? But they looked at him. There was, some, there was an anointing on him that commanded their attention, and they looked at him. And it says, the eyes of all of the synagogue were fixed on him, and he began to say to them, notice this, today, everybody say today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus, in these words, told us what his truth was. His truth was that he came, he comes, and he lives to give good news to the poor. That if you're struggling with difficulty and lack in your life, he can help you. How can he help you? Meet him. Follow him. Let him live through you. <laughs> you don't need a 15-week financial seminar on how you need to give everything to the church so that the church can do what it needs to do. That's certainly a method. Seed sowing is what something God does. All you need to do is meet him and let him live through you, right? Good news of the poor. Heal the brokenhearted. If you're brokenhearted, his goal, his truth was, I'm here not to identify me as something. I'm here to heal, help people. I'm here to heal the brokenhearted. I'm here to set at liberty those that are captive, those that are bound by something. I'm here to set them free. I'm here to bring the recovery of the sight to the blind. I'm here to set at liberty those that are bruised. I'm here to bring the day of salvation. 
A day where you're saved from something that you're living in and you transfer it into something that is better. And I'm here to declare the day when free favors, the acceptable year of the Lord, where God is willing to bless you in spite of yourself if you'll just receive what he has for you. And then he said, this day is this scripture fulfilled. You know, the people he was reading this to, it's really interesting if you think about it. He was in the synagogue, so that'd be like reading the scripture, to, you know, to Christians, right? He was reading it to the Jewish nation, because, and, and he was reading it to them, and their eyes are fixed on him. They had read those scriptures before. They had put their hope in those scriptures, in a coming Messiah, in a coming Savior, in a person that would show up and fulfill those. And what Jesus' truth to them was, is I am that guy. That's a powerful statement. Some of them didn't want to hear it. And some of them embraced it. And to those that embraced it, what did they get? Good news, deliverance, getting set free, healing, life-changing, forgiveness. They found the salvation he came to give. And so for us to be able to deliver Jesus to the world, we just need to deliver that to the world. We need to bring to them the person of Jesus that says, if you're hurting, I know a guy, and he can help you. I can't, hey, listen, you're asking me to fix it. I'm not a counselor. I haven't been trained, but I, I know a guy. And supernaturally, he can change things in your life if you'll just follow him, if you'll just walk with him, if you'll just meet him, right? What's the last thing as the musicians come? How do, what's the last way we deliver Jesus to the world around us? The last way, as the musicians come, musicians, you listen because I want you to get this too, but don't be distracted by their coming. Here's what I want you to understand. The third way we deliver Jesus to the world, the, the way we do that is we get out of the way. Everybody say, get out of the way and allow him to do his thing. And say, allow him to do his thing. If we want to deliver Jesus to the world, we got to stop trying to deliver ourselves to them. We want to deliver Jesus to the world. We need to introduce them to the man that we know, the ultimate God-man, Savior of the world, the guy that saved me from my sins, the guy that has helped me time and time again. I want to introduce you to him. And you know what we need to do? We need to step out of the way and let him introduce himself to them. See, notice Mark chapter 16, verse 20. It says, and they went out and preached everywhere. The Lord working with them. I say the Lord working with them. Confirming the word with accompanying signs. What that verse says is, is they introduced him, but Jesus actually did his thing after they introduced him. There needs to be a confidence in us that Jesus is so real that when we do introduce him to someone, we can get out of the way and let him do his thing. We need to be willing to allow, after we've made the introduction of who he is and we've shared his truth, and hopefully we've done enough to allow him to live through us in such a way that they've experienced the touch of our love through him, of him touching them through us. But then we need to be willing to not argue, but to just allow that seed that you've sown to simmer and soak under the anointing of the presence and power of Jesus, the person that you actually introduced them to. See, Isaiah chapter 10 and verse 27 says this, and it says, It shall come to pass in that day 
that his burden shall be taken away from off thy shoulder and his yoke from off thy neck. And the yoke, that yoke, that heaviness, that burden will be destroyed because of the anointing. The yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing. What do I mean by the anointing? The anointing actually typifies and points to the presence of the Holy Spirit. See, when Jesus rose from the dead, he ascended to the right hand of the God the Father, and he's seated there until all of his enemies are made his footstool. But he released on the day of Pentecost the power of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is moving in the earth today. That spirit is the anointing that destroys the yoke of bondage. See, there's no arm twisting required for you to win somebody to Jesus. There's no debate that needs to be had for you to win somebody to Jesus. Your goal is simply to share the word with them, share him with them, introduce them to him, and then politely get out of the way. Because God in his presence, he is real, and he has a way with dealing and, 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 and talking to someone when no one else is even talking. John chapter 6 and verse 44 says, No man can come to me unless the Father who has sent me draws him. See, it's not our job to convert people and change people. It's just our job to introduce them to a loving Jesus who wants to help them. And then get out of the way and allow him to do the drawing. I'm reminded of seasons in my life where I wasn't close to him. But, but there had been seasons in my life where his truth had been shared with me. And I remember in those seasons in my life where I was not close to him and I was, I can just picture myself, I was laying in my bed with my head on my pillow, staring at my ceiling. As a young man. And someone was talking to me in those moments. It wasn't my mom, it wasn't my dad, it wasn't a preacher, it was him. He was calling me not to preach. He was calling me to himself. And I got to tell you, what we are called to as a church is not to introduce people to an argument. I, 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 we are called to introduce them to the man we know. And if you don't know him, man, just bend your knee and humble yourself and press into him. He will make himself real to you. See, John said it this way. He said, we proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning. Notice this, whom we have heard and seen. <laughs> See, John walked with him. How many realize John was with him when he was on the earth? He said, we're declaring to you the one we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes. We touched him with our own hands. He's the word of life, verse 3. We proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with who? The one we saw and heard, the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. See, John had the privilege of walking with Jesus and so he could declare Jesus from a perspective of that he had known him and seen him. But, but that, that relationship that John had with Jesus is not reserved for just those that walked with him and talked with him when he was on the earth. How do I know that? I'll tell you why, because the Apostle Paul never met him before he died and rose from the dead and ascended to heaven. But on the road to Damascus... He met him. He had heard the preaching and teaching of Peter and John. 
And even though he combated it, even though he argued about it, even though he tried to discredit it, the power and presence of the person of Jesus he could not get away from. Jesus has a way of dealing with people to bringing them to a point of decision. I got to tell you, in that moment of decision, Paul could have said, you know what, I still don't want anything to do with you when Jesus appeared to him on that road to Damascus. We all have a choice. But it's not our job to make the choice for people. It's our job to just deliver them Jesus, step away and get out of the way. If we really believe he's real, if we really believe he's alive, if we really believe he's a real person, then get out of the way and let him do the work. Amen? What's your walk away truth for today? We are called to introduce the world to Jesus. Not a theology, not a doctrine, not a denomination. We are called to deliver the person of Jesus, the one who has made himself real to us. John 3.16, we'll close here. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him, believeth in him, believeth in him. See, it's believing in the person of Jesus. I believe he's real. I believe he died for my sins. I believe he rose again. I believe he's real. For God sent not his Son into the world that the world through him, to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. We're not called to point the finger of accusation at a world around us. We're called just to deliver Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. And then let him do the work. Amen? Amen. Bow your heads with me. Father, I've done my best to pour out of my heart what I believe you put in it. Take anything that was me out of it and allow us to walk away from here with two indelible truths. Number one, let us walk away with the reality of the truth that we don't serve an idea. We serve a real and living God and you are real in the person of Jesus. When we lift our hands in worship, we're not worshiping some ambiguous presence. We're worshiping a real Savior. When we live our daily lives and we walk and talk and go through them, that we are living that life with that Jesus, the real and living Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, walking through it with us. And therefore, it's easy to show the world Jesus, not by our own behavior, but just stepping out of the way and letting him do his thing. Oh, Father, let's leave here this morning with knowing you are real and we're called to deliver that real Jesus to the world around us in Jesus' name. Every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. If you're here this morning, you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. You've never met the man, the God-man, the Savior of the world. You can honestly say, listen to me, this is so important. You can honestly say right now in this moment, I may have signed a church membership somewhere, but I've never met him. I've never met him. I want to meet him. I want him to be real to me. And I'm not talking about some crazy manifestation of his presence, although that could be the result of your search, right? I'm just talking about you opening your heart and the real Jesus coming in and only the way he can do it. If that's you and you've never had that moment and you want to have 
a moment where you commit your life to the man, the person, the Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you raise your hand right now and say, that's me, I want to do that. Anyone at all, I'm going to wait just a moment. Just going to wait. Since your heart drawn, just raise your hand. Anyone at all. Okay. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, I pray that each person here and those that are watching online under the sound of my voice, that each one of them have met you. But if by chance there is someone who hasn't, I'm going to take a moment to have the entire congregation here repeat a simple prayer after me. Most of which are here have probably prayed a prayer similar to this to put before. But I'm asking them to do that to help the one who hasn't done that. Maybe they're listening online. Maybe they'll listen later in our podcast or whatever. But I'm going to ask you to simply pray this prayer of acknowledgement of your acceptance of the person, Jesus Christ. Everybody say this after me to help those here that maybe need to do that or those that are listening that might need to do that. Say this with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe you were born, you lived, and you died a sinner's death, even though you didn't deserve it because you were perfect. But you did that for me. You took my place. So I ask you to come into my life. I bend my knee to you. I lay my way of living down and I pick up yours. And I declare you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. If you prayed that prayer for the very first time and you're in this building, come tell our prayer partners at the end of the service. We have books to give you to help you learn and understand who Jesus is and who he just made you to be. When you accept Jesus, you become a new creation. Old things passed away and behold, all things become new. Amen? Amen. Stand to your feet with me. Before we close, I just want to take a, just another moment. We got, it's, not quite, it's not quite noon. Y'all will beat, beat the Baptist to the restaurants, I promise you. I want to take one more moment and I, I just want to invite I, I, want to, I want to offer an invitation for him to make his presence more real to us because that's what we're delivering to the world his power and his presence the person of Jesus so let's just take a moment close our eyes let's solidify this message by taking a moment to worship and invite him to do just that Shannon go ahead and lead us there's nothing worth more that will ever come close Nothing can compare You're our living hope Your presence, Lord And I've tasted and seen of the sweetest of love Where my heart becomes free And my shape is under Your presence
just love you with all of our hearts. It is a value that is embedded in us as a group of believers. We love you with all of our hearts. Make yourself real to us. We open our hearts to that. We acknowledge the reality of your presence, that you are a real person that died and rose. You've sent your spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit walk with us and talk with us and be with us just as if you were here yourself physically make yourself real to us so we truly have what Paul had something to deliver to the world that is more than an argument, more than a doctrine more than a theology we have you to deliver to the world amen, 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 amen that's, that's the way you live your life and deliver Jesus to the world. Just introduce him and drop the mic. <laughs> Just introduce him and step out of the way and say, look, you know, sometimes we think we got to get in there and meddle, and God has a way. He found me. He found you. Amen. We just got to deliver the message that he loves them. Amen. Amen. Prayer partners, if you'll make your way to the front, if you have a prayer need that wasn't addressed this morning and you would like someone to agree with you in prayer, they'll be right over here with you after the service. But let me just pray a prayer of blessing over you as we dismiss you this morning. Father, thank you so much for each person here. Thank you that you are very real and you go with them from this place. You live in their heart. Help us share you with the world around us. Thank you you've promised us you give your angels charge over us to protect us and keep us safe. You've promised us because we abide under your shadow and in your presence you keep us safe from sickness and harm. And I thank you, Father God, that your angels encamp about us to keep us protected and that you're bringing them back, each person here back, with someone coming with them <laughs> because they've shared you with them. You're bringing them back to worship with us safely next week. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you. Have a great Sunday. We'll either see you Wednesday night or... Oh, a youth meeting for parents or for... So if you have a teen... There's a meeting over here for our youth, real quick, I'm guessing it's related to camp. Yep, so if you're thinking your kids might go to camp or you want to know about camp in June, right over here you need to meet with Maria right after the service. God bless you all. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to our Grace Family Church podcast. We really hope you enjoyed this message. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, we would love for you to get connected. Just go to gfcva.info to learn more about who we are, how to give to this ministry, or how you can get involved. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.